Were you a fan of Biker Undertaker? Uh, for that one minute at Judgment Day 2000 when he comes back <clears throat> to American Badass and Vince does the duck walk. Right. And then that's it for like a year and a half. I never liked him wearing the duster. Right. I didn't like the duster. I didn't like the pants. I didn't like the attitude. I didn't like the braided hair. Right. He looked like... It was like the fattest he was, too. Which is fine, but like it was accentuated by those pants. So like when I yes. think of him in that era, I think of like just like a big ass. So are you fat shaming him? Is that what we're doing now? No, I'm just commenting on his look. Not shaming, not putting it over. Just stating what I think of when I think of him. So you're stating just he, he was fat. Yeah. I, I think he was fatter during the stretch than he normally would be. Right. I think you're right. I definitely think you're right. And he's still wearing black, so the black is slimming, right? Uh, it, uh, normally. Is that a thing? Is black slimming? Why is that? Because uh, it makes you look slimmer. No, but why? I have no idea. Wasn't something to do with the Bermuda Triangle, perhaps? Definitely, but we don't talk about that on this episode. No, that's right. Shit. Okay. Yeah, so we're diving deep. As you know, the last time we talked, we dealt with The Undertaker from 1991 to 1997. Mm-hmm. And, his, and, you know, he was doing pretty well. Yes. With our metrics. Well, they're all finished, like, what, between 20 and 30 or something? Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's, it's quite an impressive feat. Yeah. And if you've listened before, and if this is the first time by any chance, you know our metrics for this Royal Rumble. We're looking at every single appearance, and we're giving a score on 10 in the categories of presentation, work rate slash creativity, and effectiveness. Mm-hmm. We each give scores on 10. It gives a total out of 60, and from that, uh, we have listed up to this point 167 Royal Rumble appearances. That's a lot, and that was through 20 episodes. Yeah, and this is episode 21, and we are starting in 2001. So we're almost a year into this biker-taker experiment. Yeah, he had been gone in 2000 because he was hurt. Yeah. And uh, came back at Judgment Day the convention. So this is his first rumble timeline-wise since he returned from the injury. And that was the injury that occurred at the tail end of his, like, Prince of Darkness ministry, you know, devil man on an Undertaker run. And he has three Rumble appearances in this gimmick. And those are the ones we're going to touch on uh, tonight. So we're, we're really kind of breaking it up by era to, to also streamline the episodes. But we thought it'd be fitting to do this, this run of biker takers uh, in here. So, yeah, it's his first Rumble in this gimmick. Yeah. And he comes in for 2001 at mm-hmm. number 25. And um, it, we're rolling. We're, we're, we're already past American Badass and into Limp Bizkit rolling, rolling, rolling. Correct. Is that a better sound song for him than the American Badass one? I feel like it's more well regarded. I liked American. I think actually I think they're both really good. It's tough to choose, honestly. Um, <clears throat> I thought they're both good fits. I liked American Badass, and maybe it's because it reminds me of that debut, which I thought was like, arguably his best moment in the gimmick until he turns heel. So yeah. I would say maybe uh, I guess that, but I think Roland was really good too. I think it just kind of delineates like American Badass was good um, initially, especially for the return. Like if he returned with Roland, I don't think it's as cool. 
Yeah. I also really like the um the little girls in the video. Yes. The creepy like kids, children mm-hmm. of the corn people. Are you scared? Rah, 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 rah. <laughs> and then there was that edited version, right? The you can roll with rock or you can radio edit. Yes, yes. <laughs> it was that one. At least they used American Badass, and they didn't I don't think they added to that. American Bad Bum, watch this. <laughs> so late draw. Yeah, but he's in full badass here. Yeah. Oh yeah, full on. And he comes into a pretty stacked field, uh, as as this rumble is stacked in general. It gets a big do you pop. Think he, do you think he would have Do you think he would have felt bad if like all the time he took parking the motorcycle if they had eliminated Kane in during that period? I think you might have been relieved, low-key relieved, because Kane was dominant in this rumble. That's and right. Taker's good enough that he could probably clean out these last few without his help if he had to. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I just thought it was so funny because they sold it like, oh, my God, he's coming to help Kane. Right. And then he just it took takes forever time. parking that bike. Well, it takes a minute. You got to chain it up, tie it up so no one stole it. Yeah, but is there like an equivalent of the club to put on a motorcycle? <laughs> I don't know. It has been stolen before at ringside, so wouldn't be the first time. Uh, he does get a big pop, rides out on the bike like you said, comes in to help Kane from getting dogpiled. Uh, but I had also had the note like like you mentioned, you know, no rush. Uh, Taker does clean house. He works with Kane to kind of take things over. He throws out Bradshaw, Hardcore Holly, and Valvinus within like ten seconds. Yeah, and that right away. The- and that leaves the brothers alone in the ring. Yeah. And then they do the smart thing and just wait for the next person. Right. They kind of hint that they might fight, but then they think better of it and are like, you know what? We're g-. I get the impression they're like, we're just going to clear everybody out. And if it's us at the end, then we'll go at it. And I really appreciate that strategy. Yeah. it's We've seen the opposite and it's not worked before. So <laughs> it was a good strategy for sure. Yeah, I mean, the only time it really, I guess Demolition just did it to kind of like sell the concept, right? Right, right. But yeah, like why wouldn't you work with your teammate and then go at it? Unless you feel like you can't defeat your teammate. And that was pretty early. Somebody they figured they weren't going to eliminate each other. They just put on a show and fire each other up. But Right. And they're not alone alone in here because Big Show had got eliminated and kind of cleaned house on guys. <clears throat> so <clears throat> everyone else is kind of recovering. They clean those guys out. And then, like you said, they never touch. And that leads to a double team beat down of poor Scotty. Scotty too hot. They throw him out. When he comes out, he, it's so good because he just no, – I know we're probably going to talk about it when we talk about Scotty too hotty, you know, in like 100 episodes. Right. But he just knows he's dead. Yes. Like he's scared. Like he's slow to the ring. He's not doing any of his dancing. He just knows he's coming in there to be murdered. I mean there's no way around it. Like, I mean – it just like your whole night is ruined when you see that fact when you're coming out. Yeah, horrible, horrible luck. Uh, so a really cool moment is Steve Austin comes in and Taker Rock just kind of stand there. And then uh, Triple H comes out and just wrecks Austin from behind, of course, because they had been feuding. Big time heated feud. Uh, so that occurs and they just kind of watch it happen, which is funny. Yeah. Did Triple H win that feud? I don't know. Did any of them win it? fans didn't win it i mean i guess he kind of did but i think we were going to get more after the two-man power trip that never happens because of his injury right 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 um we forgot to mention as much as big show cleared everybody out rock was on the outside of the ring the whole time yes yep because he got whacked by big show 
And then he gets double teamed by Taker and Kane, which has pretty much been their standard throughout the match. A lot of basic strikes. Uh, Billy Gunn comes in, Haku, which we talked about. Uh, Undertaker very kindly sells Billy Gunn's jabs. <laughs> yes, he does. Um, he knows he's a big rodeo fan. So. <laughs> I, it's, it's during these moments that he no longer feels, for me, like the invincible guy from the 1990s. Right. Which I don't mind. I think it's interesting. Yeah, like, I mean, it definitely feels like a whole different person, for sure. Yeah. He hits a sweet DDT on The Rock. Like, Rock, like, puts his head down, and Tigger does that, like, kind of, like, jumping into a DDT. It looked fantastic. Yep, he crushes him with that. Um, a lot of punches with Rikishi. Just kind of the same stuff over and over from there. And then we finally get a big spot as he chokes hands Rikishi and then almost throws out The Rock. Yeah. And then – oh, good. Oh, I was just going to say, uh, yeah, I love, the too, the sequence where – he, Kane, and Haku just chop the shit out of each other. Yes. For a little bit. But there's something interesting going on that even though he's kind of like a big star here, he's very, very clearly third in the pecking order in the yeah. ring at this point. He almost feels more like a tag guy for us, you know what I mean? Like, which is the yeah. weird part about him and Kane being together. Yeah, and I mean, in the context of this match, he's probably actually fourth in the pecking order because Kane has had such a great run up to this point. Right. And like, he's not—he's not at a point where he's just another guy, but he's on the way to being just another guy. I feel here. I would—I would agree with that. I mean, he had the title match at Survivor Series, and then he's in the cell at Armageddon, so like, he's not far removed from being a title contender, but he right. feels like he's past that for sure. Uh, which is funny because by April he's right back in the title picture as the top contender again. But yeah. um, he definitely feels stepped back here. And I think it's because everyone kind of knew that we were headed toward Austin Rocket Mania. Like there was not much of a surprise heading there at this point. So I, I don't think he wasn't super believable because if anyone was going to win it instead of them, it probably wasn't going to be him. No. Uh, but so he comes out and then he's against the ropes. And Rikishi comes over and kicks him out, which was like a big upset. I was really, really surprised that Rikishi's the guy that took him out clean, <clears throat> which I think lends credence to the fact that the rumored WrestleMania 17 match was going to be the Brothers Destruction versus Rikishi and Aku. Uh, that gets derailed because Aku gets hurt. And they go a different direction. But I, I think Rikishi eliminating him clean here is payback for the choke slam at Armageddon, uh, but also oh, speaks to the it. truck. <laughs> yes, that's right. So, but I think it also speaks to the fact that that was probably going to be the mania match. I also love that right before Rikishi kicks him out, he stupidly headbutts Rikishi. Yes. Well, he deserved it then. Which stuns him. Like he's st like Undertaker stuns himself and then he gets kicked out. But it's interesting again, too, that like, so like, I mean, I'm not trying to pile on at all here, but he's not even the monster in the match anymore. Like it, it's Rikishi, it's Kane. And as soon as he's gone, he's almost forgotten. Like, they don't bother with the last parting shot that they've done in the past. He's just gone. Right. That's it. Which, to me, I felt I found that a bit shocking. It, well, this is a marginalization, like you mentioned. Are you saying The Undertaker is a marginalized individual? At this point. In the ring. Definitely. But he's also bringing other people down to his level, so there's also that. Yep. So I, I didn't think this was much of a showing at all. Um, I mean, he always feels like a star, but... Like we've been saying, it didn't feel like he stood out. And the early stuff with Kane was cool, but then he just kind of stood around and threw punches. So to me, it was a surprising elimination. But in theory, uh, you know, 
I guess setting up that mini match with Rikishi in some format, but just not. I mean, we 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 praised pretty much, or at least I did, uh, praised a lot of his appearances in our last episode. But this this to me was uh, a disappointing one. Yeah, definitely for me too. And I think it's the 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 worst he's been presented since 1991. So I'm at a five for presentation. Yep, I am at a uh, six, which is I guess steady. Uh, but I'm going to downgrade it to a five here on the spot. Okay. Okay, and that's yeah. It's just it just feels like a step back, and I. So on one hand, I didn't like his a lot of his work, but I did find he was very active for the time he was in there. I like the DDT. I like some of the early eliminations. I like the Scotty Too Hotty scared spot, which I guess is more Scotty's, but it doesn't really work with that Undertaker. So I'm at a three for uh, creativity. Yeah, I wanted the two. I just felt it was just punch, punch, punch. It was like the same shit over and over. Outside of the couple, like the choke slam or whatever, and the Scotty stuff, the rest is, to me felt very much just like kind of boring strikes but do you not feel that he's 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 done a lot of that in other rumbles too yeah but it was just the character stuff i think helped i think that's where the the difference maybe does come into play because he was mixing in some of that other character work in that even though it was a lot of chokes and punches that just was done work differently and presented like much more of a um i don't know it was different the dead man gimmick than than this for sure right yeah, and, and, and I mean, honestly, he got outshined by Kane, like rare at this time. But Kane could completely overshadowed him in this. Yeah, Kane was great in this match, where we'll talk about him eventually too, and we do his 600 entries into this thing. But um, the other thing I will say too is that like the American badass character, it, it, on one hand, it feels like it would really lend itself to this era, but that kind of same character has already been taken up by Stone Cold Steve Austin. Right, he's kind of just doing the rebel badass thing. It's just, it's such a time period thing that they weren't the only ones doing it. But yes, it it made Taker stand out less and unique um, because of it for sure. Because it's right. like okay, he's just another guy angry at the man. Yeah, right. This one's got a motorcycle though, pal. And a lot uh, of <laughs> He's a tough son of a bitch. Um, I'm at a three for effectiveness. I I mean, he did eliminate a bunch of guys. He's in there ten minutes, but. You know, didn't really set anything up going forward. He's forgettable the second he's out. So some credit for the eliminations and some good parts, but nothing crazy here. Yeah, I mean, I went four, I guess. Again, health Kane, the big eliminations are, you know, important. And it did set up in theory, just because the feud doesn't happen doesn't mean it wasn't set up well here. So Right. I muted myself by accident. It sets up what could be a pretty good Mania match, perhaps, in theory, even though it doesn't happen. That's too bad it didn't happen. I would have liked that. Yeah. Uh, so that gives him a score of 22 points, which ties him with Randy Savage, 93, Bret Hart, 91, Jake Roberts, 91, Mr. Perfect, 93. I think it happened below all those. So would I. And that's his worst to date, which, I mean, it's still a pretty good score comparatively, but it's easily his worst. Oh, uh, yeah. Of his run this far. I definitely think so. The only guy I could maybe see him coming ahead of would be perfect. But even then, I think the perfect run is more interesting. And it's more memorable, like him throwing out flair and then the Lawler stuff. Yeah. So Undertaker's worst to date, 2001, lands him as the 41st best Rumble appearance of all time. Yeah, not bad. 
No. When we're, and remember, we're talking 41 out of 168 at this point. <laughs> yes. Yep. So still pretty high level. Um, and honestly, feels high to me. Uh, I wish I went lower. Yeah. All right. So let's fast forward a year to 2002. Much different Undertaker in place now. Uh, still the American badass. Uh, still riding the bike. But he has now turned heel. He had turned back in December when he decided he was kind of getting overlooked and being pissed on. And he ends up actually kind of helping out Vince McMahon and becomes uh, bullies Jim Ross. Yeah, bullies Jim Ross has a cool match with RVD for the hardcore title. So he's he's kind of <clears throat> in the early days of this heel character. And he's, yeah. you know, now he get the short hair, which helps him a lot, too, I think. Because that was a big part, too, of that last last American Badass days, that thinning long hair. Yeah, I love I love short haired old man asshole Undertaker. Yeah. And he's like really in it right here, like because he hadn't perfected it yet. So he's working his ass off to get it over and just do something different. And I think he was really embracing it. And I enjoy it quite a bit, this character. Uh, and he comes in number eight. So a rare early draw for him. Yeah. To a massive reaction. Oh, yeah. Like it's pop. not quite cheer. Like, it's weird. It's a weird because, like, he's a heel. So they're kind of booing him, but they're also cheering him. Like, I think he's this kind point, of half cheered this whole run, even as a heel. <laughs> like, he's a prick, but he's like he's he's cheered a ton. Yeah, he's just, he, he just looks like such an asshole in this role. Like, he's the exact worst person you want to run into anywhere, like in any remotely small conflict. Mm hmm. Like, if he cut you off on his bike and you, he'd look back at you, you'd just like, whatever, man. You can have my car. You can take whatever you want. <laughs> right. Just do what you want. Don't hit me with that chair and break my neck. Uh, So he comes in uh, with this much cooler aura and just starts wiping guys out with a violent attack. He throws out Goldust with his annual uh, immediate choke slam throw out. Yeah. So he's gone. Crazy. <laughs> he, like, choke slams him out of the ring. Yeah. He just fucking chucks him. Yeah. Then he throws at Al Snow easily. He wrecks Rikishi, throws him out, gets some revenge from last year. Uh, Billy Gunn gets fucking shocked, and the crowd is just going nuts. Just an awesome start. Yeah, the crowd is going crazy. The choke slam he hits on Billy Gunn, I, I mean, I don't know, maybe we should credit Billy Gunn for this, but it, it's like, it, Billy Gunn's like over his head. Yes, fucking just flings him. Yeah. Uh, he tosses Al Snow to like back to, back. I think Lawler says like back to the Tough Enough 2 kids. <laughs> Just no respect for anybody in the ring, which is exactly what that character should have and should be. Right. No, it's a – I mean, it's just a great stretch. Matt Hardy's the next. Taker just beats the shit out of him. In comes Lita. He grabs her. And then the crowd is just going nuts uh, for this as Lita kicks him with the balls. And her and Matt double-team him. In comes the stomping. Jeff. Huh? The stomping together is so great. Yes, yes. And they're just like tr doing whatever they can to try and make a dent and take her. In yeah. comes Jeff. And now it's like gnats, like just flies bugging him. Because now like he has the, all three of these annoying fucking pests just like yeah. buzzing around his head. He's just trying to get through this to keep chugging along and dominate this match. Uh, I, I thought it was just great. I love it. The crowd is losing their shit during it too. So question for you. If they had not done Ric Flair at WrestleMania against him, could he have fought the Hardys? Yeah, I mean, I think I think that would have been a lot of fun. Like if they do, like let's say if they save Flair Vince for Mania, right? 
because like I found the chemistry here was really interesting and neat. Like the 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 Nat analogy is really great because yeah, they're floating around, but they are damaging him. Yes. And I love that Lita's involved in it all too. Yeah. Oh yeah. They just do. They throwing everything in the arsenal out to take him out. They know he's just a big bully. They're just gonna smack him in the mouth and try and take him out of there. Uh, but we get a great spot where he mows down both Hardys with a big double clothesline. Uh, but then Jeffrey covers the ticker, takes a swanton, uh, but he survives and ends up throwing up both Hardys. So I thought that whole segment was just awesome. Yeah, and the way he throws them out, too, is great because, like, they set up poetry in motion, and Jeff jumps at him, and he just kind of catches him and, mm-hmm. like, shrugs him over the top rope. And then as soon as that happens, Matt Hardy's dead. Right, Murders him with a clothesline, hits him with the last ride, and tosses him out. And what I love about this is that it's so cool to see him in these situations that you would never, ever, ever see him in. Like, that's the fun of the rumble, right? And, and it's, sadly, it's not something they do that much anymore. Right. But it's so cool to see him fighting this tag team. Yeah, it's cool to take advantage and just, like you said, do something completely different with him. Yeah. And everyone gets more over as a result. Like, the Hardys, I mean, the Hardys getting tossed by him doesn't hurt them at all. But, like, they did enough damage that, like... I'm sure they do other sequences on television, don't they, after this? Uh, uh, yeah, I'm sure there's something. I, I don't remember fully, but, I mean, it does, in the end, end up in a Jeff Hardy Undertaker title match. That's right. That's right, later in the year. But, uh, so, out comes Maven, uh, this poor guy. Taker's, like, laughing, basically, as he's coming out. Yeah. Uh, but the Hardy's Alita come back, and they fuck with Taker, and they distract him long enough that Maven slides in and drop kicks the Undertaker out. And just an all-time classic moment. The uh, crowd goes crazy. Pop. Oh, just like, a massive pop. Yeah. Yeah. Just crazy. And and it's it's so it's so much better from the fact, too, that he has been the king the entire time he's been in the ring. Yes. I mean, the only argument you could say is that they cut it short. But I think that makes it stand out even more because of what he did in such a short time. And he yeah. didn't get dragged down, I feel like, another guy once the ring filled up. It was oh. – he dominated the ring. It was his show for eight minutes. Um, and then it continues because Taker goes back in and drags Maven out. And then we just get a murder. I yeah. mean, he just destroys him all around ringside. Some of the most nasty chair shots of all time. Oh, it's gross. They end up in the concourse and he throws them through a fucking popcorn machine. And eats just popcorn. Like, and then just, eats yeah, popcorn. Yeah, eats the popcorn, yes. <laughs> just complete I- classic stuff. And, and, and forgotten in all of this is poor Scotty Tuhati, who has to come out again during this beating. Like, and Taker's having none of his dancing and just comes out and fucking punches the shit out of Scotty. Before going back and destroying Maven. Right, right. Ross, too. Jim Ross is great in this moment, too. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, the whole thing is, is a complete package. I think it's one of the most memorable rumble things ever like everyone when you hear this year you think maven take like it's yeah. definitely maven's highlight moment for sure uh in the in the promotion in his career really right. um yeah i i thought this is great taker just owned the whole stretch it was high impact fun way with some big offense it looked cool it was cool booking <clears throat> he stood out he felt fresh dominant i just thought it was really memorable stuff i, I thought this was really well done I do too. Uh, and on top of it, even in even in this little stretch, he does have the most eliminations in the match. Yeah. He eliminates yep. seven guys. Yeah. In I seven mean, minutes. Insane. Seven guys, seven minutes. Yeah. And I mean, like, you know, you don't think it's that long seven minutes, but in the context of all of this, he's he's really the dominant figure for like a third of the match. Yep. 
and that's 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 meaningful. That that does mean quite a bit. So I, you know, I, I this is one of those ones where I didn't want to overrate, but holy shit, is it awesome? I, I mean, yeah, I, I thought it was tremendous. I also think of all the matches we've seen of him, this is the best he's presented. I'm a seven for presentation. Uh, yeah, me too. I thought he just looked like a monster. Uh, the badass gimmick that we both love, obviously. Uh, comes into play, so yeah. Creativity, I'm also at a seven. I think, like, I mean, just the Hardy stuff, hit the the high impact offense, and then the all time classic Maven beating, just eating the popcorn. It's all awesome. Yeah, high level stuff. One of the best. And it's weird because it doesn't set anything up or anything, but I'm still at a seven for effectiveness. I mean, for those seven minutes, it's like seven minutes of King Undertaker throwing out. Well, the and seven. it goes a long way in getting this gimmick over too. That's true, because it is still relatively new. Yep. And you kind of make an argument that the original Biker Taker was not super successful, right? Uh, No. No, I would agree with that. Oh, okay. I mean, if anything, he just <clears throat> he became more hated. Like, I remember the Internet discourse on him, for sure, was very negative during that stretch. Oh, yeah. Whether DDP Canyon stuff, the dragging down the ratings post-WrestleMania, like – sandbag and angle and fully loaded like there was so many things that everyone just hated during this run uh so yes this was a complete immediate rehab and this was a big part of it so it yeah, was, he was he was grown inducing as yeah. the other one. Oh, yeah. like oh cool like and so then later on in the year he becomes a world title contender and while i don't think the matches are any good like it, at the very least he was credible right and then he does have great matches later in the year yes he does <laughs> he's got that great uh, sell. Mm-hmm. so you know, we're seven, we're sevens across the board, which is actually pretty unifying for us. Yes. Yes. Um, but what this does is this lands him with 42 points, mm-hmm. which ties him for the greatest Royal Rumble appearance of all time. That is crazy. Ties him with Shawn Michaels, 2010, Hulk Hogan, 89, Shawn Michaels, 07, Shawn Michaels, 96, Hogan, 90. You know, and I almost just bumped. I'm not gonna because it, I don't I don't know if it's the greatest like but I almost just bug creativity to an eight as we were talking, um, but man yeah that's tough. I had I I almost bumped when I was looking at it. I really considered presentation bumping to an eight, but but then I went back and forth and compared and I was like no no comparatively like it's he's still very much near the highest end here. All right, so looking at this. Um, it's tough because these other guys that are up there are like all one. Or yeah. I mean, Hogan didn't, but you know, it's Hogan '89, uh, and I guess Sean didn't win '07 or '10. But you know what I'm saying? They're all like, they're in the mix to win or major yeah. parts of the match. Whereas Taker is the only one of these four um, or five that's confined almost to his own little bubble in the match. Right. Right. I mean, I think I think we can safely bump him above Shawn Michaels' 1996. Yeah, but then then it gets difficult. Yeah, I don't think I can go above the other three. But that's okay. Like that being a top four is pretty crazy when you consider how inconsequential it was to the Rumble, which I guess I was trying to say. It's like, you know, all those other ones are very important to their match. Yeah. I mean, the comparative is going to be later when we do Diesel. Right. 
Like, I, I'm sure it'll do similar numbers. But that's crazy. Like, only seven minutes and he does that. But then again, Hogan 89 was only 11. I was going to say, that's actually – I think Hogan 89 is the comp because he doesn't win. Um, he eliminates a bunch of guys. He has a house of fire. But the big difference is Hogan kicks off the mega power – or it's part of the big mega power story, which is a bigger right. story than what Taker's got going on. So I think it makes sense to have him check in below that. And Sean O'Seven is just like a master class. And it, you know, it's such a big part of that, that part of the match. Exactly. So that lands The Undertaker 2002 as the fourth, fourth best Royal Rumble appearance of all time. Which shows you can do it without having to be like a winner or runner up or, you know, a dominant part of the match by just having an incredibly booked, well orchestrated um, segment. And it's a good bounce back for him. Yeah, and it was incredibly booked, but also like, he just did great in it, too. Like, he worked hard. Right. You know, you could see him working hard. He's selling for the Hardys, right? Like that's not nothing. So No, he's killing himself. Now, would you would you have, at the beginning of this, thought that this would have finished this high? I thought it would have finished high, but I don't think it would have been tied for the best ever. No, me neither. And, you know, theoretically, it could have been scored the greatest ever so right. far. It was close. I mean, I was real close to bumping eight as we were talking it through. Reason I, so you think it's like brilliantly booked like there's really not anything wrong with it no the only reason i didn't bump to eight in terms of presentation was because so far for me the only guys that have gotten the eight in terms of presentation are like guys that were like clearly the top star in it clearly the event is booked either for them or about them which yes yeah, for me the question would have been more around work like the creativity because it was so unique right but for me, I, I think that's the second highest uh, rating I've given in creativity. Yep. Like when I look at it, I think the only person I have higher in creativity is Martel, 91. Well, speaking of great creativity, Aaron, there's a lot going on in the North-South Connection. Would you mind taking a moment just briefly hitting the highlights? So much going on every single day of the week. Monday to Friday, you get lots of wrestling content. You get pop culture content. Monday, you get now entering the Royal Rumble. You get uh, Year That Was, which is coming back soon. TNA Never Dies is on Tuesday. Myself, you, and Jenny Smith breaking down early TNA, driving ourselves insane. Uh, that goes along with Jake Williams' Ruthlessly Aggressive podcast. He brings in a guest every time, diving deep into the Ruthless Aggressive era. Jake's awesome. His guests always bring it, so it's a lot of fun. Wednesdays, JP and Slomka bring you New Gen on a Mission, a great look at the New Generation era, going way beyond the pay-per-views. They deal with TV, superstars, stuff you wouldn't think of. Thursdays, Wrestling Warzone, you and Chad coming back soon. You're getting get through 1996. That runs in tandem with ECW Three-Way Dance, yourself, Jenny Smith, and John D'Amato. ECW for Life, breaking that down from the very beginning of the big shows. Fridays, 90210-so, you are bringing in guests with Tim Capel, breaking down 90210. Also, you know what that means, AEW podcast with Jordan Duncan and Andrew Reich. We also got the NFL this week. Every Does that drop Thursday or Friday? Uh, usually, sometimes between Wednesday and Friday. Right, so Thursday and Friday, you got that going on. Saturday, No Holds Barred, where we're doing all kinds of list stuff. We're also got Silver Screen from Squared Circle to Silver Screen, Logan and the Cowboy breaking down movies about wrestlers or involving wrestling. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday is Ramsey Martinez and Mark Claire Second Print Comics have been with us since the start. Super consistent podcast, always worth your time. After every major show of viewers' choice, Marcus and Tim tell you what to watch and what not to watch. 
Chrono so dropping late Sunday nights with two tracks, either early Crockett or the WWE PG era. JT's mailbag comes at you once a month. WCW never die, uh, must die with Johnny C and Ryan Gray. And Ryan also bring it with every pay-per-view preview show. Did I miss anything? I think you hit it. Boom. Great job. Shake, shake, shake the room. Mm-hmm. 2003. A year later, Taker is kind of back to being a face. Still the American badass. I want to say he's kind of in the middle of the two places we already talked about. Like, he's not as great and as over as he was as the heel in 02, but he's not as, like, hated and blah as he was in 01. He's kind of in between right now. Yeah, that's a fair assessment. Um, he comes out to Dead Man Walking, mm-hmm. and um, they go, he's back. Was he gone? Yeah, I think he took his usual end-of-the-year hiatus. After the Hell in a Cell, I think he was out um, until this. Oh. I don't think he had returned. I think this is his return. Because there was, a, there was a lot of rumors at the time that he was actually going to come back as a dead man here. Uh, oh, and people okay. were disappointed when he didn't. And, of course, we'll see a year later, he does. But uh, this was the initial rumors that he was coming back in the old gimmick as soon as he gets in there too on his way jim ross calls him the conscience of the wwe Mm. um is this but this is the same man who made jim ross kiss vince mcmahon's ass right well maybe jr is admitting he deserved it he did deserve it also he comes in number 30 back to 30 it's a spot yeah good pop he rides in and unloads right away takes out john cena immediately and jamal so gets his customary quick libations. And then we get a real fun callback as Maven sneaks in and drop kicks him from behind. Yeah. Uh, and Taker just no sells it and then beats the shit out of him and throws him out. Choke slams him like down to the mat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like might have broken his back. It's a really great callback. Maven does a good job too celebrating like an idiot. Yes. Yes, he does. Thinks he gets him again. And then he so, turns and Taker not. turns around and walks right into a baldo bomb from Albert. And then he just lays around for a while. Yeah, he does until he makes the final four. Uh, and we had a pretty good Haas battle. I think this was like the antithesis of what fans kind of wanted. Like, it seemed like they're moving away from this. But it ends up being pretty fun where we're down to Brock, Undertaker, Kane, and Batista, which is a pretty cool four, big four-man match. And, I mean, all time, it's like pretty good when you think about it. <clears throat> In the moment, maybe not as much. but Well, Batista um, wasn't there yet, I think. is the Not point. even close, yeah. And I yeah. think people were probably a little cast on taker and kane at this point too so do you, do you think it hurt at all when taker and brock were called smackdown studs <laughs> maybe slightly <laughs> that feels like a porno name right <laughs> well and this is the first post brand split um rumble too so they're like really high on the hog with the brand stuff they're like all into it were they fighting for brand supremacy here oh they always are right what are you not i guess uh, before that Brock and Taker can square off, Batista gets involved, and that's kind of how they pair off at first. Yes, yes. Because we do get the stare down to kind of play off their feud in 02 uh, before Batista gets in the way. Uh, Taker gets a couple of close calls. He hits a tombstone on Brock. They get a big pop. And then he throws out Batista, turns on Kane, and throws him out too. So there you go. There's your answer to before if he would be sad if Kane got eliminated as he was on the bike because he clearly is uh, okay taking his yeah. brother out. Absolutely. And I, I love to like whenever there's a point where everyone gets down and Taker and Proc face off, 
But mm-hmm. like Taker's got some balls acting tough here, considering how badly Brock Lesnar has beaten the shit out of him every time they fought. <laughs> True. Well, like he's makes him a Taker. He's kind of owned him at this point, right? Uh, I mean Taker did. They have the double DQ at Unforgiven, so he's he's like oh one and one against him. Right. Well, comes out of Taker and Brock, and then Batista jumps on the apron, and fucking Taker kills. Taker's chair shots in this era, like. Yeah, they're vicious. Yeah, like he's he's probably responsible for a lot of concussions here. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot then, of depression. But then <laughs> a lot of depression. Uh, but then Brock just runs up behind and dumps him. Yeah, just chucks him out, wins his first Royal Rumble, and Taker had a very close run here. Uh, I yeah. do think Taker was a pretty good final choice to fight Brock when you look at this field. I think it's an underrated Rumble, uh, but I think there wasn't a ton, ton of like high level star power. So I think this felt like a pretty good person for Brock to throw out to win. Yeah, I guess. I mean, like, yes and no, because I think he feels kind of past his due date here, Taker. Like, I kind of feel like Biker Taker died in that cell. Yeah. And should have just never come back. Like, well, probably I felt makes- that I mean, that, that was definitely the thought process. Yeah. And, like, it's kind of a foregone conclusion that Brock's going to win. But I don't know if the crowd could have lived with Taker winning. Right. Like, in general, you want either, like, I think, I mean, I'm speaking kind of like, you know, in general, who knows, right? But in general, I feel at the end, you want either someone the crowd really wants to win or someone the crowd really doesn't want to win. Right. And and Taker is neither of those. Like, he's just kind of a guy. Yeah, I guess just kind of when you look at it in the ledger, like him living there, Taker to win is helpful. Yeah. Oh, for sure. But uh, yeah, I, I actually like this rumble too. Uh, this rumble probably could, I, I love the Shawn Michaels stuff at the start, mm-hmm. but they probably could have used a bit more of him. Yeah, I agree. Again, we, we've talked about that quite a bit on these, where those guys, sometimes they sacrifice for a story that could have really helped buoy the match. Yeah. When you could still do the story later. Right. But maybe it wouldn't have been highlighted as much. Right. So, I mean, there's a fun showing. It was uh, outside of that one little slow spot after Train wiped him out. I thought he had, you know, did a lot. Had a lot of eliminations in the right in tight time. Did some cool spots. <clears throat> Felt like a threat and only stole, almost stole the win. He kind of had a game plan that we saw play out, especially at the end where it just kind of was quick strikes on guys to make moves and uh, get down to the final. And I thought, um, you know, we've talked about it quite a bit for guys that enter 30 sometimes or, you know, 29, 30, don't get to show a lot. He only had five minutes, but I thought, um, or seven minutes, but I thought he got to do quite a bit in that stretch. So. Yeah, I, I found, so I struggled a bit with what he did in the match. I found there was a lot of lying around and it was just a lot of punching. Mm. Like it's such a, it's such a stark contrast to the year before that was so creative and interesting. Yeah. And maybe watching them back to back is the problem, but it's always going to look way weaker. Yeah, I mean, yes, I mean, that was the greatest of all time that we just talked about. So, right. Yes. Yeah. Um, I also because I think he's passed his due date. I'm at a five for presentation. I took him down one from last year back to six. Because I think he's presented better than he was two years ago when I had him at a five. Yeah. I think he's like kind of on par with two years ago. Like the guy who's he's the undertaker, but like he's not winning. Like he's he's kind of just there. That's kind of how I felt about both. Yeah, I just thought he was coming off a of better stuff. So he feels like more of a player like his last stuff was the cell and that feud with Brock, which was good. 
versus coming in on an a one. He was coming off of like garbage at the end of 2000. That's totally fair. Um, I'm at a two for work rate creativity. I did not enjoy his run inside the ring. Yeah, I had him at a five. I'm going to take it down to a four. Um, <clears throat> but I did like a lot of stuff he did with the Haas battle. And, you know, I thought he what I liked about it is that it felt like he had a strategy and it was playing out. And that was clear to me. So I liked that part of it. Right. Yeah. I just found there was a bit too much lying around after the initial uh, right. frenzy. Um, and I'm at a three for effectiveness. He is the runner up, but like. He doesn't feel like an interesting runner-up for me. I do get it, what you're saying in terms of the context of the story with Brock. He is a big name for Brock to throw out. But I guess it's because Brock has beaten him before so many times that, like, I don't know. It just didn't resonate with me as much. Right. Uh, I gave him a five. I mean, it makes the Final Four. It's, like, kind of a memorable Final Haas battle. I thought it helped get, you know, Batista eyes on him, too. And I do think it was, like, him putting over Brock again did mean something because he did it in October. does it again here. Uh, and I thought it was effective in, in making Brock have like a, like I mentioned earlier, just like a strong guy to eliminate at the end. See, I will just say one more thing about the elimination. Like I, I don't feel the elimination does Brock any favors. Because, because he's, Batista. Well, he's distracted by Batista. Yeah, but it's like Batista Brock, hurt him though. No, but he's distracted him and Brock took him from behind. Well, not took him, uh, ran up from behind and dumped him. Right. So like, yeah. Yeah, like, I, I don't know. There's... I don't know. He still survives him and throws him out. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not horrible or anything, but... And Taker also threw out five guys, so i count that in there, too. Yeah. So that gives him a score of 25. So not the worst. No, but tied for a oh. second worst. Yeah, 1991 and 2006. Shawn Michaels, 2006. Which 91 was it, you said? You Undertaker, 91. Oh, um... I'd put 91 above this, probably. I'd put this above Shawn Michaels' 2006, though. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Okay. So that lands The Undertaker 2003, which was a bit maligned, but not horrible. That lands that as the 32nd best Rumble appearance of all time. All right. So, I mean, he continues to rack up, like, big numbers. Oh, yeah. Like, his worst is... His worst is 43. Yeah, That's, which is crazy. And we're seven deep. Yeah. He's going to do crazy. well. He's going to keep doing well because we still have a bunch of really good ones coming. Yeah, we got four more to go. Uh, and that'll be in our part three uh, on Undertaker in, in a couple of weeks. We'll hit hit those last four. And then we'll look That's at his right. composites. But um, do you want to give the updated top ten? Yes, absolutely. Uh, we won't hit the composites because nothing changes until we yeah. get to the bottom of Undertaker. But there's a, probably a pretty good chance that Undertaker makes a dent in those composites going forward. Right. So, the 10th best Rumble appearance of all time, Andre the Giant, 89. Number 9, Rick Martel, 91. Number 8, Bret Hart, 94. Number 7, Ultimate Warrior, 1990. Number 6, Hulk Hogan, 1990. Number 5, Shawn Michaels, 1996. Number 4, The Undertaker, 2002 making some dents there number three Shawn michaels 07 number two hulk hogan 89 and the number one Royal rubble appearance still Shawn michaels 2007 and uh Shawn michaels 95 was bumped out of the top 10 by taker or two you know what's funny is that of the top seven there's only one guy who doesn't have the most eliminations in the match 
It's interesting. I mean, we do put a lot of weight in that, so. Yeah. I mean, Hogan eliminates Kennedy. He looks a third of the field in 1989. Right. That's just insane. All right. So that'll do that. We'll be back in a, a couple weeks, like we said, talking more Undertaker. Until then, keep on rumbling. Tell me what you're gonna do.